Amen. Amen. That's a Southern Baptist way to say amen. All right. So good morning. Hey, if it's your first time worshiping with us, we got a special gift gift for you today. Uh, if you'll stop by our Next Steps table on your way out today, leave us just some basic information just so that we can follow up with you and see if there's any way that we can pray for you. Um, we're going to have that in the lobby today. Uh, just go by the Next Steps banner. You'll see it. You can't miss it um, in our lobby on the way out, and we would love to get you a gift today. Um, man, I, I'll be honest. Or let you be honest with me. Anybody set a New Year's resolution? I'm not going to ask you what it is. Okay, statistically, we're not doing well, okay? Um, well, we have go. Okay, so here's, I did, I did just a quick study, and I'm not going to give you the name of the website because it could be sketchy if you researched it, but um, what I found was that if you have goals or resolutions or commitments for the new year, you are not alone, okay? In 2020 was such a flop of a year. That one study I read said that New Year's goals and resolutions were up 15% over last year. 15% higher. Um, 75% of the American population that was polled has made some sort of resolution or commitment for the new year. I'm going to give you just some of the categories. 46% of those are health-related. 37 are related to some other type of self-improvement. 34% 34% are related to money, amen. 24% are related to family. 17% related to love, I'm assuming outside of family. Uh, 16% are related to careers. Okay, so I don't know what category your goals or commitments fit into. There were lots of other stats that were pretty interesting about gender and the way generations fit in there, which was really interesting, like 90% of Gen Z uh, people were setting goals for themselves, whereas like 40% of the silent generation was doing it. Um, and so uh, some interesting things. But the most interesting to me was that 12.23% of all those that made resolutions don't believe they have a shot in the dark at actually keeping it. Yeah. But still, 12.23% said... Yeah, I've made a resolution. There's no way I'm going to keep it. That's my favorite. Like, that's, that's, the, that's a devoted person right there. Um, these are just realistic people. Yeah, I've got a resolution, but there's no way I'm going to keep it. Uh, it just looks good on paper. Um, it looks good on a Facebook post or an Instagram post, but they're not going to keep it. So today, uh, today I'm not asking you to make New Year's resolutions with us, but today as we begin this study through the book of Acts, just a five-week study through the book of Acts, so it's not going to be as deep, um, as, as you might want, but um, we're going to look at some things that are really uh, going to help us decide for 2021, what does it look like to be the church in North Alabama here in Harvest, and that's going to be really, really encouraging. But today I'm asking you to join with me and with us as a church to make three commitments that I see in the first 12 verses of the book of Acts. Um, these are so, so, I think, important for us to think about And to set us up for what I feel like God wants us to do in 2021, these things are going to be very important. So I'm going to read the first 12 verses of Acts chapter 1, and then uh, I'm going to pray, and we'll come back and start looking at this, all right? I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen... 
After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be witnesses, my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him right out of their sight. While he was going... They were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath, a Sabbath day's journey away. Let's pray. God, I do, God, I just ask you to be with us and help us today. Um, God, to uh, to understand your word and God, to see the truth in these first 12 verses and God, to see the depth um, of your love and your uh, uh, provision for us, God. And um, as Jesus spoke to these early apostles, God, may we see um, the direct, uh, sometimes direct and sometimes indirect application for our lives today and for us as a church moving forward, God, we pray that you would bless this time today. And God, as we pray every week, may you teach us to know you and may you be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, beginning this week, we are starting this series called uh, Be the Church. Um, today, we're looking at the challenge to grow as a Christian. In the next four weeks after today, I'm going to be showing you ways that we as the church seek to help you take next steps. So it's going to be fun I promise. Three commitments today we're going to look at. The first one is found in verse 1. I'm going to read it again to you. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke wrote this letter um, to a cat named Theophilus. Whether that was a real person or not doesn't matter. Um, But Luke wrote this book and he says, I wrote the first narrative. What is that? Right? What you need to understand, we don't always get this, but Luke and Acts were designed by Luke, the author, to be one unit. They were two letters written to the same guy. You look at Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1, verse 1. I write to you, O Theophilus, right? Like it was written to the same guy. So we need to look at Luke and Acts as one, almost as one letter, as a continuation of the same thing. And so what does, um, what does Luke say that that letter, the book of Luke, was all about? He says it in verse 1. What does he say? Is that still up there? No, it's not. It was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You agree with that? I hope you do because it's the inspired word of God. Good try. Luke's gospel is about, that's what Luke's gospel is about. Open it up and read it. It's about all that Jesus did and all that Jesus taught. Everything that happens in the book of Luke can sum up into one of those two categories. Things Jesus did, things Jesus taught. From beginning to end, Luke has packed Jesus' story in. And so we can be quick to grab that idea and move on to verse 2, but wait, wait, wait. There's one word that if you and I were writing verse 1, we would not include. 
and it's the word began. Why does Luke say that he wrote the first letter, which we know to be the gospel of Luke, and he said that first narrative was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You know what happens at the end of the book of Luke? Jesus goes into heaven. He dies, buried, resurrected, goes into heaven. I think the doing and teaching is done. Why does he say began to do and teach? So you and I would never include that word because it doesn't make logical sense unless the doing and teaching are not done. Unless Jesus' doing and teaching are not completed and the book of Acts is about the exact same thing. But how is Jesus going to do and teach in the book of Acts because he's in heaven? Open-ended question. He's going to do it through his people. Luke chooses his words very carefully. My first narrative was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. He doesn't make it full circle, but our, we, we can insinuate from this is that Jesus' doing and teaching is not done. It's not over. And he's now writing a continuation of Jesus' deeds and his teaching. And I love the simplicity. Luke is telling, he's, he's telling Theophilus that the church's main purpose in the book of Acts is to continue doing and teaching the things of Christ. And each person's responsibility is exactly the same thing. Do and teach that which Jesus did and taught. Now, is that, what, is that the simplicity with which you live your life? <laughs> is that what your checklist looks like? When you get up in the morning, do you say, ah, what do I need to do today? I need to do what Jesus did and do what Jesus taught. No. You and I have so overcomplicated the things that God has called us to do as Christians. We have stressed out ourselves as American Christians in the 21st century. And Luke is showing Theophilus something that you and I need to understand. That the Christian life is simply summed up in two things. And if we would focus on those, we, Theophilus would if he focused on them. And we as Christians would bring great glory to God in the world. And so my first question to you is this. Do you view your purpose this simplistic? Do you recognize that this is what God has called you to? If you're like me, the list of your life, the things that you're trying to do as a Christian get all jumbled up and difficult. But we've got to refocus our eyes as a church and as people a part of this church to do the things that Jesus did And teach others the things that Jesus taught. Everything we do as a church should be able to be summed up in those two things. So the first commitment I'm asking you is this. I'll focus my life or I'll simplify my life to what Christ did and taught. If you're taking notes, that's point number one. How would that change? If you, if, you commit, if you just changed, if you woke up every morning recognizing, what do I need to do today? I need to do the things that Christ did, and I need to teach the things that Christ taught. How would that change the way you view your life? How simplistic would your life become? The second commitment, I think, is found in verse 8. Jesus is there with his disciples. He's just spent 40 days making sure they know he's alive, <laughs> making sure... 
that there's no doubt. Paul tells us later that uh, something like 500 or more people saw Jesus alive. That's really cool. And the time has come now for him to return to the Father. And he's about to leave and his disciples ask him a question. Because they know the Old Testament. They know that the prophecies about the Savior and the Messiah are that he's going to restore Israel. And so what do they ask? When they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, are you restoring Israel? Like, are we about to, is this going to be the kingdom restored? The Savior who had been prophesied about, he had beaten death and had this new body that was incredible. It wasn't going to experience uh, any kind of uh, death or sickness or anything. What better person to lead the charge and kick the door in on the emperor of Rome and whoop tail and take the nation of Israel back? Jesus could lead that charge. Jesus, is this what you're going to do? Is this the time? And Jesus responds this way. You don't even know what you're talking about. Heath translation. He says, it's not even, you, don't, you can't know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. He rebukes him a little bit. He says, don't ask questions about things you don't know. But notice that he doesn't say no. Y'all, I've studied this passage. I've preached on this passage. I've taught on this passage. I've taken notes on this passage. And never before have I recognized that Acts 1.8 directly ties into the kingdom of God language that we preached on for however many weeks, 13 weeks, when we studied through the Sermon on the Mount. Notice the question they ask. Is it time for the kingdom? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know, but why is that but there? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus' response to will you set the kingdom up here on earth now was you don't understand everything that's at work, but you will receive power. Jesus was affirming that, yes, the time for the kingdom is here and now. You don't understand the kingdom of Israel. You don't understand how all that's working. That's God's thing. But I am telling you that the Spirit of God is coming on you in just a few days, and you will receive power to live out the kingdom here on earth. That's why we preach through the Sermon on the Mount for 13 weeks to try to ingrain in our minds that the kingdom of God is here and now. And so that whenever we read verses, even those that we're familiar with, like Acts 1.8, that it jumps off the page at your face and you see it. Jesus is showing them that the kingdom of God is not only coming one day. Yes, it is coming one day, but it's here and now too. And it's about to go, it's about to get kicked up a notch. Y'all remember Emerald Lagasse? He was popular for like a year. <laughs> Bam! He would always throw. Anyway, uh, he was a cook, a chef. Look him up. Um, but that's what's about to happen. The Spirit of God is about to come on his people in an incredible way, and it's about to get kicked up a notch. And Jesus lays out once the Spirit comes, this is what I want you to do. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And 
We typically look at this as a geographic scope of the expansion of the church. As we study through the book of Acts this month, what you're going to see is that the church and its leaders follow this progression. Jesus told them, go wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come. Guess where they do here in a little bit. Spoiler alert, they go to Jerusalem and they wait. The Spirit of God comes and Jerusalem is turned upside down for the glory of God. Then around chapter 8, things begin to change, and we'll talk about it, but the, they begin to spread throughout what? Judea and Samaria. And then guess what happens around chapters 11 and 12 and through the rest of the end? This crazy, weird dude named Paul starts traveling the known world, proclaiming the gospel with a team of church planters, and the world is turned upside down. It ends with Paul. The story of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. Like the capital of the world. And the capital of all things pagan and evil. And that's where Paul winds up. And the book of Acts ends with him in Rome. The ends of the earth. The book of Acts follows this progression Luke was recording the words of Jesus, but I believe he was also providing a map of the movements of the church that we're about to read through. But listen, church, this is not just a command to the apostles, nor is it just some sort of roadmap for the book of Acts. This is a command, and this is a call to every believer. Acts 1.8 is not for the apostles. Acts 1.8 is for the church. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You and I must be engaged in these areas. I believe when Jesus says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, he meant it for me too. He means for me to be involved in local missions right here where I am. Regional missions in the U.S. and North America and international missions to the farthest reaches of the globe and everywhere in between. We as a church are in the process of developing this Acts 1-8 strategy for our missions this year. We actually are asking you this morning to pray with us as we seek God for our partnerships for the coming years and our plans for the coming years. You're going to be hearing more about that over the next few weeks, but it's a blank sheet of paper right now. We know this is what God wants us to do, and so we're just asking you as a church to help us Figure out what this looks like going forward. Um, we believe that God has called us to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so you and I, we're going to figure this out together. But for now, let me ask you as an individual. You know God is, does not wear a crimson tide nor a tiger shirt, right? He's not from North Alabama. <laughs> Tom's amening for a different reason. He doesn't wear any colors, Tom. <laughs> but God's not from North Alabama, right? Jesus, Jesus didn't fly an American flag in his front yard. And you and I are not the only people that God wants to save, nor are we the only ones that he loves. Before we as a church can have the plans and the partnerships in place, before we can organize our mission efforts for the foreseeable future, God must break our hearts for every one of these areas. 
our heart cannot just break for our local missions. Our heart cannot just break for the church plants that need to happen in our country. And our hearts cannot just break for those who have yet to hear of Christ in the 1040 window. Unreached people. Our heart must break for every area. For the hungry people in our community and those who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. In Southeast Asia. As I've studied a lot this week and I've been asking God, what would you do? I've been praying this for the last two months. God, what would you have us to do this year as a church? What is a, what is a, what's, what's something we can rally around? This one statement keeps coming up over and over again in my mind and I can't shake it. And I'm, gonna, I'm giving it to you as commitment number two. I will live for the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. This is what I want to see. This is what I believe God has for us in 2021. We want to see God's glory here in this body, among our neighbors, and among the nations. I would love for December 31st, 2021, as we're gathering to watch the ball drop, I pray that we're looking back on a year full of seeing the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. I believe if we can get our, this, this statement ingrained in our hearts and our minds in 2021, there is no ceiling to that which God might do. There's one more thing I want to look at which is so important for us in this passage. I'm going to give it to you on the front end and talk about it after. The point number three, I will move forward in expectation of Christ's return. My favorite part of this whole story is what happens after Jesus ascends into heaven. The apostles are there and they see it happen. Their rabbi, their teacher, who they've just spent at least 18 months, maybe longer, with learning from. They've spent countless hours with him. They had the Son of God beside them to tell them what to do when they got up in the morning. Can you imagine that? And now, he's gone. You ever watched a balloon climb in the sky? You can see it for a long, long time on a beautiful day. And that's what I picture here. Right? Jesus is ascending into heaven, and we don't even know what that looked like, but they're just staring. They're like, I can still see him. Look right, look right there, right beside that cloud. Do you see that? And they're just staring into the sky. Let's look at it. Verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by him. We'll talk about them in a second. So they're just staring. No doubt, some of it was for amazement. What are we seeing right now? Oh my goodness, what's happening, right? But, uh, but can you not also see that there's some other emotions going on? What other emotions, open-ended question, what other emotions do you think the, the, the apostles are experiencing? At least one. Sadness. Somebody else said something. It was just sadness, I guess. Uncertainty, Yes. Fear, yes. Confusion. (laughs) 
They don't know what to do. And it's causing all kind of emotions. But listen to what these two men in the white clothes tell them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? You look dumb. It's not in there, but... This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. They said, quit looking up. Look forward. He's gone for now, but he is coming back one day. Look forward to that day. And what did they do? Verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day away. Why did they return to Jerusalem? Because that's what he told them to do in verse 3 or 4 or something. This is exactly what Jesus told them to do before he ascended. He told them to go to Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, the helper. So these men are staring into heaven. They're confused or complacent or whatever. And now they're being obedient in the little things. My question, church, is this. Will you do the same in 2021? Or will you settle in where you are in your faith? Will you stop and stare into heaven and wait for his return or will you move forward in expectation of his return? That's a big difference. I see a lot of people sitting on their tails waiting for Christ's return instead of getting after it in a lost and dying world. Good night, I don't want to leave a, lead a church that's sitting in chairs waiting for Christ's return. I want to lead a church that's beating the bushes and sharing Jesus in our workplaces and our in our neighborhoods and with the nations. This is this is what this, that's the question. Are you content with your spiritual level of growth right now? I think an important question for us to ask every year. I'm sure you may have made you may have set goals for yourself. You may have set uh, even have resolutions or commitments or whatever. But are any of them spiritual? Because I think the question we need to wrestle with is: What does it look like for me to move forward this year? In what ways do you need to grow in Christ in 2021? I'm going to give you some examples. So if you if you need to take notes on these, do it. Is it growing in your understanding of God's Word? Is that a way you need to grow? Is it connecting with God through an ongoing prayer life? Is it your freedom? Is it in your freedom to worship through song? Do you need a little, a little boost, a little bit more freedom? Is it developing lasting Christian friendships? Is it finding someone to hold you accountable? Is it learning to study the Bible with other people and not just by yourself? Is it sharing your faith? Is it living on mission? Is it discipling someone else, either your children or another adult? I would encourage you to think and pray through that list and a hundred other things and ask God to help, ask God, what, what, what do you, how do you want to grow me this year, God? But listen, you and I can hit our knees and say, God, help me, help me share my faith. God, help me love your word more. And then we can sit down and do the exact same thing that the disciples were doing. Staring into heaven like a bunch of doofuses. Or we can take next steps. Or we can ask, we can ask the question, what next steps can I take to set myself up to grow in Christ? 
We can't just pray for God to grow us in these areas without prayerfully taking some steps. Yes, he is God, and he can grow you anyway. (laughs) But his word shows us that he asks us to participate with him in the process of sanctification. Today, I've asked you to make three commitments. I will focus on what Christ did and taught. I will live for the glory of God and us, our neighbors and the nations, and I will move forward in expectation of Christ's return. If you and I make these commitments in 2021, I don't know how else to say this, but it's going to get real good. The baptisms that we've seen in 2020 won't even compare. The great number of people, some of you that have joined this fellowship in 2020, ain't going to compare to what God might do in us and through us. I want to leave you with this question. How are you asking God to grow you in 2021? And what next steps do you need to take? If you've never committed your life to Christ and followed through in baptism, we want to help you take that next step this year too. If you want to talk about joining this church, at the end of this month, we've got an East 101 course coming up where we walk you through what it looks like to be a part of this family. We would love to get you signed up for that and have some conversations about that. And you can, this next song, we're about to sing a song. Patrick, come on up. Uh, Patrick's going to lead us in a song. Uh, even if, I mean, if you grew up in church, you know this song, maybe, if you grew up in a church like I did anyway. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I love that song. But anyway, um, we want to help you take next steps. As we sing this last song, I'll be down front. We'll have counselors by the back door uh, to talk with you and to help you take next steps. Um, today, we've also got when, you got, when you came in, you got this, which has uh, some information, some dates that you need to take note of. But on the back side are the groups that we're offering. Man, these groups are the best way that you can take next steps in 2021. Um, We ask you to do three things here if you're a part of East. We ask you to gather, which you've done. Thumbs up today. We ask you to group, and we ask you to move. Those three things are so important. And so if you're not a part of a group, if you've never been a part of a group, we saw 25 people join groups for the first time in 2020, even with that dumpster fire of a year. Isn't that what you said last week, Patrick? 25 people joined groups for the first time last year. That's not it, though. We want to see everyone here. So if you have questions about groups, we're going to have an iPad um, at, the, at the Next Steps desk. When you leave today, you can sign up because we believe groups are one of the major ways that God wants to grow you in 2021. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to have an invitation. You can respond however you feel like God's laid on your heart to respond. It may be through song. It may be through coming to this altar and voicing prayers for your own life or for those around you, for people in your life that you want to intercede for, or you can come and talk to us or the counselors at the back about any decisions, okay? But I'm going to say a word of prayer, and uh, let's worship God because of his word today. Father, we trust uh, that, that your word has been uh, proclaimed that you wanted to be said today. And God, I pray that, uh, um, that God, as we respond now through song and through prayer and maybe through our feet, God, as we uh, go talk to a counselor, I just pray that you receive all the glory. And we thank you so much for these commitments, these things that we see in your word. God, help us um, to, uh, to develop these practices and these commitments in our own hearts. In Jesus' name.